0: All right, hey, good morning, Mercy Church. Hey, I can't, you know, we're in this series that we call um, The Way of Jesus, and I can't think of a better way uh, to kick off that series and to really do that series than uh, what we did this past weekend with Serve Week. It was, or really the whole week with Serve Week. An awesome week for our church. I kind of want to give you the, the big picture. You know, as a church, I mean, plain and simple, we are called by God to love our community. Right to be the tangible expression of God's love for the people around us. Right. In fact, we're going to see that in our passage today that we're going to look at. So, you know, knowing that we are just one church, just a, a small group of people, that but that united together, we can have a big impact. We have focused, uh, one of the ways we've focused our efforts in loving um, our city is by caring for the children of Charlotte, which means caring for schools, supporting adoption and foster care ministries, and ultimately supporting the families of these children. And that was a big emphasis, not the sole emphasis, but a big emphasis this past week. Uh, Y'all, just take, for example, teachers. We know that if teachers are well-supported, they can give their best energy to students right, which means that the students get the best training, and that changes classroom dynamics, which means scores start going up and opportunities start going, um, start opening that weren't there before. So we serve teachers any way that we can. Um, Over at Eastway Middle, uh, Hidden Valley Elementary, Renaissance West, and Old Providence, those are the the schools that we're serving in right now. And um, this week, 50 of you came and prayed over Eastway Middle. Man, their teachers and staff were so encouraged by that. When when our staff um, served them lunch on on Wednesday, and then we um, helped all these schools help get some projects done around their campuses. And over the course of the week, we provided you guys provided meals for over 410 uh, teachers and staff. Uh, I asked the principal over at Eastway, I said, What can we do next, Principal Webb? I'm like, we are here to stay here to serve and love you. She's like, you know, we got some, some after school clubs that we want to start for some of these students. And we said, great. What do you need? She's like, I need Legos and board games done. Um, I happen to have 2 billion Legos at my house and some of our others. I'm sure do. We'll get them to you. Right. And, um, that's just it y'all. We want to serve them. And, and we're already starting to see signs. Um, their school is at each way, uh, the test scores are starting to go up. Teacher turnover is way down. Uh, and we're starting to see change take place over there. Now, We know that caring for children and their families means supporting the social workers who are busting it day in and day out, right? So we asked um, one of our partner organizations, Congregations for Kids, how can we help? And they said, well, social workers spend a lot of time in their cars, traveling to and from one family to the next, one situation to the next. And they said, "Um, it may be a cool thing to do, be to give them some uh, car care kits, just something to make their drive just a little bit easier, and they asked us to do a hundred of them. And We said, well, how many social workers are in Charlotte? 435. We said, we're going to do 435, right? Um, And so we did that, and uh, we had like 50 people that came together to pull that off to make their job just a little bit easier so they can give their best energy to families that they're serving. Now, listen to this one. We believe in adoption and foster care, Right? There's no better picture of the gospel, I think maybe on the earth, than adoption and foster care. So we've teamed up with Christian Adoption Services, and they have this, this is a great organization. And one of the things they do is they do a, they call it a birth mother's retreat. I love this. After the birth mom delivers and gives the baby up for adoption, CAS is still caring for For these women. So they take them on a retreat to love them and show the love of God to them. And every year they say, multiple women come to faith through this. And this year, Mercy got to provide a lot of the supplies, got to provide gift bags for all the women going on that retreat. Listen, I, I could keep going on, uh, uh, but, you know, all told, 350 um, people from Mercy Church, actually 375, I think I just got uh, the latest information, um, sacrificed time, money, uh, this past, just this past week for one week, and one church made a huge impact for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Y'all, I, I want you to hear that. I want us to celebrate that. I don't say that to pat us on the back, though, okay? I, here's the thing. I know that you were probably doing one of those things. You were engaged somewhere. So I want you to see the collective impact of us locking arms together and stepping into the way of Jesus together. Yeah. Right? This is just one step. And we want this to be normative. Y'all, if Mercy Church ever vanishes from this city, I hope the local government would mourn because they lose a caregiver. Right. Right? Let, the, let, let our whole community say that our beliefs are crazy but let them at least say our deeds match this crazy love that we preach. That's who I want us to be as a church. You, got, you guys with me on that? It's huge for us. Good, look, look, today is gonna be a lot of that right there. We are continuing um, our series in the way of Jesus. Last week, we looked at what it means in our first sermon to encounter Jesus. And we said something really important. All right, and if you're new with us today, this, this is big. We said that Jesus will meet you right where you are, but he won't leave you there. He'll meet you where you are. Simon Peter was a fisherman who was not too sure about Jesus. Jesus says, go out in deep water, put your nets down. Simon's like, I already did that once. It didn't work. And now this guy, Jesus, comes along and says, put your nets down. And we zoomed in on Simon Peter's response where he says, we've already tried that. But because you say so, Lord, we'll do it. That was Peter's way of expressing uncertain, I don't know about Jesus, uncertain but willing faith. And that's what made Peter so relatable to us last week. That's the way a lot of us start towards Jesus, uncertain but but willing faith. And the awesome thing about that story was how Jesus blessed Peter's uncertain, unsure, not sure how this is gonna work out, but willing faith. There's this big catch of fish that he had, but that wasn't the point, of course, They get back on land and Peter leaves that big catch of fish to go and follow Jesus. And we said, he meets you where you are, but he won't leave you there. He gives you a new purpose in life, and that's to introduce that new purpose becomes introducing others to the saving power of Jesus Christ. That's what Serve Week was all about. It was about us following Jesus, walking in the way of Jesus, and displaying to others the love of Jesus that we have experienced. Y'all, listen, if last week was relatable relatable, like uncertain but willing faith. Man, today, today's story that we're just continuing, we're going to be in Luke chapter five, right? That's where we were last week. We're just picking up. And the next thing, today's story is downright inspiring. Like, like I want you to think of today, like we're kind of in a like pregame locker room talk, okay? I want you to leave today just busting down the doors, hype to go storm the field, all right? And if, I guess if sports doesn't work for you, like that didn't get you excited as a metaphor, I want you to think. I want you to run out of these doors like the Chick-fil-A just reopened at the Arboretum. All right? You can be one of the first 500 people who get you a free sandwich. Um, or if nothing else, the one I was thinking about, because um, you know, we've had kids the past, uh, my kids, are oldest is 10 years old, so had kids for a while, and I'm like, I want you to leave here like your babysitter just arrived. And <laughs> hey, you pay her by the hour. So you gotta go, right? We gotta get out of here. Like, mom, dad, can we have a hug? No time, right? The babysitter's paid by the hour. See you later, kid. You know, whatever it is. I want you hype when you leave here today. This story is the story of a few friends who believed that Jesus was powerful enough to help their friend. That's it. This story was a story about a few friends who believed that Jesus was powerful enough to help their friend. It's simple. My job today is to make sure you grab hold of the power that's in this story because mercy, we have got to be the friends in this story. The friends in this story I'm gonna walk you through, literally, they literally tear off the roof of a building to get their friends to Jesus. That's how desperate they were. That's how creative they were. That's how confident they were that Jesus could help their friend. And I'm praying, man, I'm praying that as we, I've been praying this for a while, is we step into the way of Jesus. So I got so excited about this particular sermon because as we step into the way of Jesus, I want us to go all in like we see with these friends. So the main idea is simple for today. It is at the heart of Mercy Church. We tear off the roof to get people to Jesus. That's it. That's the simple main aim for today. So here's the deal. If that's the main point, if that's what we believe, then the thing that I've got, we gotta work on today is this question right here. Do you believe Jesus has the power to change people? Now, I know it's a simple question, but it's everything. Because the action tearing off a roof, that's the expression of belief. Do you believe that Jesus has the power to change people. Because if you believe he has the power to change people, then tearing off a roof to get somebody to him, whatever those roofs are gonna be in your own life, tearing off the roof won't seem crazy. It'll seem like the most essential normative thing to do because they gotta get to Jesus. So the question for us to really work around, y'all, especially when Jesus can just be a part of the landscape in the Bible Belt, do we believe he actually still has power today to change people? All right, let's. We're gonna dive in. Hey, listen, if you're um if you're newer to Mercy, um, look here just to give you kind of <laughs> what you just got into. Um, we normally just kind of walk through books of the Bible when it comes to our sermons. Uh, so right now we're in Luke, uh, the Gospel of Luke. And here's a cool thing: if you stop by our Connections Tent, so if this is your first time, or um, maybe it's like your second or third time, but you've never made yourself known, um, we have um, a gift that's out there at the Connections Tent for you. It's a pretty cool one right now. It's this. It's called a scripture journal, but it's the gospel according to Luke, and it's got the scripture on one side, and it's got just places for you to take notes on the other side. So if you don't have a copy of scripture or something like that, this would be a great tool to use in your own time, and then you can also like take some notes while you're in here. All right, so a great little thing there that we just want to want you to have. All right, now, with that said, here we go. Main idea, we tear off the roof to get people to Jesus. We're going to get into it. We're going to start in Luke 5, verse 17. All right, here we go. On one of those days, while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. I want to stop right here. This is kind of the the setup, and I want to make sure you catch what's happening. Uh, Mark's gospel records that this is happening in Capernaum, which probably means, again, you can go back and listen to last week for, for a while that's significant. It probably means they're back at Peter's house. Which is kind of cool, because Peter was the one who was skeptical, and now he's the one hosting Jesus, right? Luke wants us to know that uh, this this setup, though, is that all the big boys, all the religious leaders had come out to hear Jesus. What you have formed here in this home is a broad-based investigative committee united in an attempt to show that there was something wrong with this young rabbi who's been preaching. The Pharisees took the law very seriously. You gotta understand them in order to understand this story because they are the opposition to Jesus in this story. The Pharisees saw their job as protecting and defending the law of God, but they took it so far that they actually began to add laws to the law of God. This way, what was happening is their hearts were corrupted. They began to, to, to control the religious circle and ultimately the community because they held the power to say what was allowed by God and what was not. And they've gotten a word that this Jesus guy is trying to disrupt the control that they have over everyone. Next um, little phrase here I want you to see at the end of verse 17. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. This little add-in is to prepare you for what's about to happen. This is Luke again, setting the scene. It's not like there's a time, Luke is setting us up. It's not like there's a time where the power to heal wasn't in Jesus. It's always there. In fact, I wanna say to you, it is still there today for you. God can still heal you. He can heal your soul. He can heal the emotional wounds of your past. He can heal you from physical ailments. He can heal you. The Lord's power to heal was in him and the Lord's power to heal still is in him. Jesus' power doesn't come and go because God doesn't change. His character is constant. His love is constant. And his love is always directed towards us. There is never a time ever when God's love is not directed towards you. There is never a time when God's power is not available to you. Hebrews thirteen eight says, Jesus Christ was the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means he still has the power to change. You believe that? Again, that's everything today, guys. The friends we're about to see believed this. Now listen, let's be clear though. Those friends are not the hero of this story. Jesus is the hero because Jesus is the one who forgives and heals and saves. He's the hero of this event. He's the hero of the Bible. He's the hero of my life. He's the hero of the life of every Christian here. He is the hero of Mercy Church. That's what I want you to. Look, I want you to, to leave God willing amazed by the power and love of Christ for you today. That is my hope for us. Right? It's so easy to do a church routine in the South. I'm gonna bring that up again, but it really is so easy. Just, Jesus is just a part of the cultural landscape. And I hope that today, the, as the Bible calls it, the eyes of your heart are lifted up and you see just a little bit more of Jesus for who he really is. Verse 18, just then some men came carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him, before Jesus. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. These are our guys. I want us to look at what they did to bring their friend to Jesus. Because this is, y'all, man, this is just the spirit that I want in my heart. Um, I wanted our church, like I want to figure out how to take, this is what I feel like I'm doing today, trying to take a syringe and just extracting whatever this is that these guys have and just injecting it into to our, the spiritual bloodstream of our church. Because uh, this is a, the, just the straight up recipe for tear off the roof faith, all right? That's what this is that we're seeing here. Again, I'm just walking through this story, but I want to pause on this and show you what tear off the roof faith looks like. The first thing I see that Luke wants us to see is humility, I think it's very intentional by Luke, our author, to not share any names. Nobody knows their name. They're not the hero. They're not supposed to be remembered. They aren't doing this to be remembered. Nobody is going to Instagram this and then it go viral. They're just some men. And I want my purpose in life, my, my kind of mantra in life to be like um, Count Zinzendorf uh, from the 1700s. He was a, a preacher in those days over in Europe and he said, my Aim in life is to preach Christ, die, and be forgotten. (laughs) I just want people to know Jesus and I'll go meet him. Right? In fact, these friends feel freedom to put their own reputations on the line because their reputations don't matter. Getting their friend to Jesus is what matters. You got all these big wigs inside, people who carry more social clout than they do. And these friends are interrupting everything. All right, I mean, think about it, it's raining dust and chunks of roof down into the room where Jesus is teaching. And when the dust settles, literally, and sun is pouring in, a a guy gets lowered down through the hole right in front of Jesus. I mean, this guy is fully awake, fully aware it's going on. He's trying to get to Jesus, but nobody's name is recorded, not even the paralytic. Only name that gets remembered is Jesus. That's the point. The point's not the men, it's the Jesus these men believed in. Here's the next thing I see about this tear-off-the-roof faith. I see sacrifice from these guys. They were carrying a guy on a stretcher. That's not easy. They're sacrificing their time and their energy to get this guy in front of Jesus. They had to sweat to get that roof open. You know, Historians suggest um, most likely this roof, if it was like others um, in that area during that time period, was probably about two feet thick. Two feet thick. Right? We're not talking about a group of guys that went up on the roof and just said, Shh, Jesus' is teaching, I'm just kind of move these, these straight, you know? and then we're just kind of sneak this guy down there. No, they said, Give me the hammer, right? We're going to bust this roof open, right? That was some work. And, and speaking of work, here's the other th- next thing I see about this I see urgency. I see some guys who were determined to break down a barrier to get their friend to Jesus. If the house is full, I mean, think about it. Obviously, your first inclination, or at least mine, my first inclination would be, well, man, sorry, the the place is slammed today. We can wait, or I guess we can come back later, you know what I mean? Um, But no, not these friends. They are determined, and they are urgent. They believe that Jesus has the power to help their friend. Their urgency is what drives them to creative problem-solving. I mean what kind of determination do you got to have to go well it's full what about the roof <laughs> like you gotta be you gotta like I gotta get there right the next guy beside him goes well the ceiling is the roof and they all together go amen that's right you know <laughs> and that'd be a great t-shirt um, they're like let's go This guy's laying down on a stretcher, so we're gonna have to strap him to the stretcher somehow, lift him up. Couldn't have been the first idea, but it's the idea Luke wants to make sure we see because of what conviction it shows. And this is the happy chaos of trusting Jesus. Talked about this last week. If I've got one life to live, y'all, and so do you, and if the gospel is true, that heaven and hell are real, and the only way you can be saved from your sin is through forgiveness found in Jesus, everything else just became secondary. Everything else. And I cannot waste a single day, a single day helping people. I can't waste a day. I've got to spend every single day helping people get to Jesus. Um, You know, today, St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Um, You know who St. Patrick was, right? St. Patrick was this um, young British boy who was kidnapped by Irish raiders, really like pirates, in the 5th century. They take him to Ireland. Six years later, he was like he was a, a young teenager, um, early teens. Six years later, he escapes, jumps on a boat, boards a boat, goes back to Britain. He's free. And there in Britain, he becomes a Christian. Becomes Christian, understands the gospel, and the Lord starts to work on his heart. He decides to go, um, he, he has this conversation where he basically says, my former captors, There's nobody there to tell them about this great freedom from sin that I've found in Christ. And so St. Patrick, the reason he eventually becomes a saint um, by the church is because he decided if nobody else is gonna tell them, I don't know if anybody else will, I know there's nobody there that's telling them, so I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back in to this place where so much pain had happened in his life. I'm gonna go back in and share the gospel with them. And the first church in Ireland was planted by St. Patrick, which led to the movement that spread across the entire country. Y'all, is that the kind of belief that Christ can change people who even wounded us in our past? What belief? Man, that's what I want, which leads me to the last last thing, and that's belief. The last thing I see about this whole tear-off-the-roof faith, the most obvious one, but it's still the most important. Pushing everything they were doing was a belief of faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the certainty of things unseen. Hebrews tells us they had belief that Jesus had the power to heal their friend. And all of their actions were motivated by this belief. And y'all, there is a pureness and a simplicity to the story and to this belief that I think needs to inspire us. A childlike assumption that if, man, if I can just get to Jesus, if I can just get you to Jesus, everything's gonna be okay. You just gotta get to Jesus. And Jesus says in Matthew 18 that unless you become like a child, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is simple faith, which goes right back to my original question, which is a simple faith question. Do you believe Jesus has the power to change people? Have you experienced it? Have you experienced that power like Peter had, who's hosting Jesus? Has he changed you? Do you worship him? Listen, you'll never go to much effort to get someone else to a Jesus that you're ambivalent towards. There's no joy inside of you when it comes to this Jesus. I was talking with a friend, you know, we got um, a handful of friends right now here in our church who are expecting they're gonna be having a baby sometime this year. And one of them was telling me, it's just, it clicked for him and it made a lot of sense to me. He's like, man, we have such, we, we had such joy in telling people that we're uh, gonna be having a baby because we're excited about, about what's coming. It's giving joy in us. And you know what? Other people are celebrating with us that our joy creates joy in them. And he started, he's the one who told me, he said, man, how can we expect people to be even interested in Jesus if they don't see any joy from us in what we're talking about? I'm like, y'all, do you have joy? Do you have any joy in that Christ has set you free from your sin and you have new life in him? Because that joy, that's belief that Jesus has power to change even you, even me. And he can change our neighbor as well. Now, Jesus's response, we're gonna gonna see a shift in the scene. His response to this act is, it's wild. That's what happens in verse 20. And we're gonna spend a lot of time there. Um, They they went hoping for Jesus, of course, to heal this man's body, and Jesus tops that, gives the man way more than he was expecting, gives him eternal life. And again, we're gonna see that um, in a second. But before we do, I wanna talk about what, Uh, just for a second more about what tear off the roof faith might look like for us in practice, in everyday life. Um, I I see it in two ways. I see it in how we gather together for worship and I see it in how we scatter into our community day in and day out. On the weekend when we gather together, you know our whole purpose here is to celebrate Jesus and exalt his gospel. I mean, that's it, y'all. He loves us. He made a way for us to be reconciled to God. Jesus died in our place. And listen to me, that gospel message, that if you're a Christian in here, hopefully something stirring in your heart that just warms your soul and you get excited about that. But that message is offensive. It is, it's offensive. You're a sinner, you're a sinner. And the only way to be reconciled to God is through Jesus. That's the only way. That's an offensive message that we preach. And so what we say around here is the gospel is offensive, so nothing else should be. Right, So what our guest services team, actually it's, a, it's part of their language that they use around here all the time, is they say, we tear off the roof for people to hear the gospel each weekend. Yeah. We all come to church with all kinds of barriers preventing us from being able to tune in and really listen into the gospel message. So our kids team, our connections team, our worship and AV, look, what all of them are doing, they're not just doing a job, because this isn't just an event that we're pulling off. Right? They are tearing off the roof. So the band practices on Thursday nights. It's not to put on a show, it's to do everything they can to help you encounter the beauty and glory and power of Jesus. Y'all, I, um, I read a, a thing that um, Rosaria Butterfield um, said in her latest book, The Gospel Comes With a House Key. And she said, forgive me, I'm quoting off the top of my head, but something along the lines, along the lines of, you'll never know until you ask of the treacherous journey that someone took to sit down in the seat next to you at church on Sunday morning. Let's talk about the stories that we all share. And in fact, one of our uh, members told me when they were serving as a greeter one time, uh, where this guy normally serves, he said, I saw this uh, mom coming in with the two kids and um, she just looked, you know, a a little bit distressed. And so he greets her and just makes sure she knows where to go because he didn't recognize her. And Goes, gets her kids checked in. And then just before she goes into worship, he just says, hey, are you okay? You doing okay? Um, And the response back was that, man, she just, she broke down because she had a huge, I mean, huge life crisis 12 hours before. And she was coming into church, just hoping that maybe God had something for her. And y'all, that was just one little question. And what ensued was a whole lot of care to help this woman out. And I'm like, you have no idea of the story of the person sitting next to you. They don't know yours. But what I do know and what all of us believe that are working every weekend and why we would tell you, come and join and be a part of these ministry teams is we will tear off the roof to get you to Jesus because we believe he has the power to heal, to save, and to change. He has that power. Um, but not just on the weekend. I see it as we scatter throughout the week, uh, throughout the week, (laughs) throughout the week, as we tear off uh, the roof to get people to Jesus every day. That means sacrificing a lot of time and comfort and money to get to know the people in our community. Look, y'all, after work, come on, somebody, after work, it would be very easy. It is my natural instinct to just, especially after the, for me right now, the kids go to bed, to just flop on the couch and be like, oh, the day is done. Right, And sometimes it's good to rest, so I'm not not knocking that entirely, but I've got one life to live and there are people that live around me that don't know Jesus. They don't even know they're spiritually paralyzed, which means I gotta be building friendships with neighbors. It means fostering and adopting. It means caring for the least of these in our community. And sometimes it means awkward conversations about spiritual stuff with the people you care about. Right, look, I read a story this week about... um, Uh, This guy, D.L. Moody. You don't know this name? Um, He was an evangelist and a a preacher in Chicago a couple hundred years ago and just super impactful. Probably the the greatest awakening the city of Chicago has ever seen came through D.L. Moody's teaching is one of the things that sparked it. And, And I read the story about how he became a Christian And there was this guy at the church that Moody sometimes went to, and um, he would have been uh, Moody's Sunday school teacher if Moody ever showed up, Mr. Kimball, all right? Now, Mr. Kimball said that he had his heart set on winning this man to Christ. And uh, Mr. Kimball recorded his story of deciding when he was gonna finally share the gospel with Dwight L. Moody, all right? Here's what he said. And now just, this is so relatable. It's a little bit of old language, but super relatable. All right, listen. He said, I was determined to speak to him about Christ and about his soul. And so I started down to Holton's Boot Store. That's where Moody was working, at a boot store. When I was nearly there, I began to wonder, listen to this, whether I ought to go in just then during business hours. Should I go? I thought my call, my visit, might embarrass the boy, And that when I went away, the other clerks would ask who I was and taunt him with my efforts in trying to make him a good boy. So he's trying to reason his way out of actually going to share the gospel with Moody, right? In the meantime, while thinking these things, I had passed the store. And discovering this, I determined to make a dash for it and have it over at once. (laughs) Basically, all right, I'm just gonna rip the bandaid off and go do it. So I found Moody in the back part of the building wrapping up shoes. I went up to him at once, And putting my hand on his shoulder, I made what I felt afterwards was a very weak plea for Christ. Basically, I tried, right? Um, Here's what he says. I don't know just what words I used, nor could Mr. Moody tell me. (laughs) I simply told him of Christ's love for him and the love Christ wanted in return. That's all there was. It seemed the young man was just ready for the light that then broke upon him. And there in the back of that store in Boston, D.L. Moody gave himself and his life to Christ. Y'all, God, the way my pastor used to say it, is evangelism is two awkward people talking to each other. All right. It's always gonna be awkward when there's someone, when you wanna to talk to someone who never talks about spiritual things, to not talk about spiritual things, all right? It's always gonna be awkward, but God can use even a weak plea for Christ. To change, I mean, Moody, it's estimated, led somewhere through his preaching and one on one conversations um, several hundred thousand people to Christ. And that was because Mr. Kimball was like, I know this is going to be awkward, but I'm going because I've, I'm urgent. There's an urgency I feel with the gospel message. And here's what I hope we're willing to say this might be the way you think about it. Maybe this is something you write down, something you kind of keep with you. If I really believe, if I really believe Jesus has the power and the willingness to save people, I will tear off the roof to get people to Jesus. Whatever that roof is, I'll tear it off. Now comes um, what many remember is the exciting part of the story. It's Jesus's response to these guys that, and the man that they've lowered down to meet Jesus. Verse 20, seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> Soak that up. Seeing their faith, he says, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Seeing their faith, which is expressed in their determination to get him and get him to Jesus, right? Their belief that he has the power to help, he says, Okay, friend, your sins are forgiven. Some of you are like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Doesn't the paralytic have to believe in order to be saved? Yes. Now we can assume this guy wasn't being um, carried around and lowered down against his will, okay, right? He was literally on board with this, you know, coming down. Um, but, but yes, what, what you should see here is, of course, he wanted this. But what, the, what Luke wants you to see is the power of believing friends in the life of someone. That's what you've got to see from this, how powerful the faith of a friend is. And the more important thing to see is that Jesus doesn't heal his body, which is what they're all after. That's a shock to these friends, a shock to this paralytic. He says, your sins are forgiven. Why, oh, why would he say that? That's nice, Jesus, but I actually came for physical healing. And this is what happens to most people when they approach Jesus. Jesus, what I really need is for you to fix my husband. Jesus, what I really need is a husband or a wife. Jesus, what I really need is relief from all this pressure at work that I'm under. Jesus, what I really need is for you to fix my demon-possessed child. Jesus, what I really need is some friends in my same life stage. Jesus, what I really need is for you to take away my chronic pain. Listen to me, he will meet you where you are. He hears what you think you really need and he's not shrugging it off. All right, he cares, he loves you, he counts the hairs on your head, he calls you his child, he wants you to feel the love he has towards you, which is more intense and more complete than any other love that exists on the earth. And it's not even really to be compared. Because of that love, he responds and says, no, listen, I know what you really need. And what you really need is forgiveness from your sin. That really is your greatest need. Your greatest need It's forgiveness from your sin, and listen, that message is true today. I don't know what you came in here with. Maybe like that, like that mom that came in that I told you about that greeter talked. I mean, clearly she's like, God, I just need, I need something. And Christ looks with love, not with judgment, with love and compassion, and says, Come close. I'm gonna care for you, but first you got to know what your greatest need is. It's forgiveness from your sin, and we're gonna start there. And when you experience the love and compassion of Christ, when you experience the transformation, when Christ has literally, the old is gone, the new has come, he makes you a new person. He, for, he brings you from spiritual death to spiritual life, new life in Christ. When you experience that, then everything else, we're gonna work on everything else after that. But it starts, it starts with forgiveness of your sins. Now, the timing and setting was very intentional because Jesus, of course, he didn't just, make them, this isn't just a teachable moment Jesus makes the most of. He has set this whole thing up. He's God, right? We're not like, he's not surprised by what is happening. And it's because the audience he has in front of him. Look at verse 21. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to think to themselves, began to think, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? I mean, these guys came, y'all. They came ready to pounce, they were looking for an opening, some flaw in the teaching, and notice the wording. They began to think to themselves. Nobody's saying anything, right? Just sitting there, just sitting there being silent sermon critics. Notice the difference between the Pharisees and the roof tearing friends. Roof terrors believed, the Pharisees were skeptical. They're sermon critics. The roof terrors were urgent, the Pharisees were resistant. The roof terrors took down obstacles to get people to Jesus. The Pharisees were the obstacles keeping others from Jesus. Roof terrors wanted others to benefit from the power of Jesus, and the Pharisees rejected his power and authority to benefit others. If you stop to think about it and you start looking, you'll notice that not once in any of the Gospels do you find a teacher or a Pharisee bringing anyone to Jesus for mercy and grace you often find them opposing and resisting people who want to draw near to Jesus. At best, you find Pharisees passively tolerant. So let me give you a question. I just want you to consider. I even was, I was working through this um, this week and I don't know that I fully have dealt with it myself, but are you more of a roof terror or a sermon critic? Here's what I mean. Are you sacrificing your life to get others to Jesus or do you sit and consume and then wait to pounce when you hear something you don't agree with or just leave altogether? Now, listen, I say that humbly as one who deals with it myself, even though I know I preach regularly here, all right? And by the way, I love our church because you guys are super encouraging. You are an encouraging group of people to preach to week in, week out, all right? So this isn't just like some sort of come down on you. It's the question of, are you more likely to sit and observe and critique or to do whatever you can do to tear the roof off to get somebody to Jesus? What's the joy? What's that joy going on in your heart? What's happening there? The answer depends entirely, by the way. It goes back to who do you believe Jesus is? Do you believe he has the power to change people? And Jesus was ready, verse 22. Perceiving their thoughts, he replied to them, why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? Hey, which is easier to say? I love that, because God's word has power. Not which is easier to do, which is easier to say, because what he says is what will be. He isn't just turning this, again, it's not just a teachable moment, he's God. He's put all these things into motion so he can show these guys who he really is and to drive the point home, This is what he says, and this is what he does, because what he says is what happens. So that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take up your stretcher and go home. And what happened? Immediately, he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. This guy had a good day. His sins are forgiven. His body is healed. And the point of the physical healing is to let them know for certain that Jesus has the power to do the important thing, the thing that only God can do. That's why he uses his, this name again for himself, the one from our Daniel series, the Son of Man. In short, he's saying that he's the promised Messiah who's come to save the world from sin. He heals this guy. Here's how the story finishes. Everyone was astounded. They were giving glory to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen incredible things today. We've seen Jesus make a lame man walk. Praise God. The people around start giving glory to God. Look, I got like a couple minutes. I need to say three things that we got to latch onto. All right, first, the power that made this man walk is still at work in believers today. Grab it. That power is still at work in the church through believers for the community today. The spirit of God comes into your life. Maybe he heals you physically. I have definitely seen him heal marriages. Maybe your marriage is on life support. I have seen him set porn addicts free. I have seen drug addicts set free. I've seen suicidal people find hope and purpose and peace in their soul and life. I'm talking, I've seen people, and I'm one of them, Become totally new people that are unrecognizable to their friends of the past. When God saves you, he changes you. You become a new creation. Maybe he heals your body, but definitely he heals your soul. Which leads me to the second point. We have the greater miracle. We have the greater miracle. The most important thing for us today, at some point, the paralytic will get old and he'll struggle to walk again. Changed circumstances are not eternal. The bigger miracle, the one that Jesus makes a point to make sure that we latch on to, is that he actually holds the power to forgive sins. He not only holds it, look, he not only holds that power, he wants to extend it to you. That's the great thing. I will, listen. I will praise God and celebrate with you just as what happens in verse 26. I will celebrate with you. If you have some kind of pain, physical ailment, and God heals you, we will celebrate. God calls us as a church to pray for that in James. And so we will pray for that, and we will believe um, on your behalf, and we will believe with you that God can and wants to heal you. We'll believe that. But I will praise God all the more when you come out of those baptism waters. Because that is the greater miracle. That I sinned against God. Listen, this is the gospel, the greatest miracle of all. God actually wants us. He wants us to be with Him. And so He made a way, a way that I don't have to work for. I just got to receive it. This is why so many people are like, God, this, this message is almost impossible to believe. I don't have to do any good works to get into heaven. What kind of religion is this? It's a miracle based religion. Jesus died in my place when I didn't deserve it as a payment for my sins. So I don't pay for my sins. I spend my life instead celebrating what he has done for me. Not to earn forgiveness in worship and thanksgiving of this God that I've come to know. That's a totally different, totally freeing feeling than anything else the world has to offer. And the last thing I'm gonna say, y'all, we, Mercy Church, tear off the roof to get people to Jesus. Just. Pulling it right back around to where we started. There's an old preacher, C.T. Studd, who once said, some want to live within the sounds of a church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. That's us. We design everything we do. We can worship gathering, groups, college, outreach, family ministry, everything we do to mobilize people to get people to Jesus. You have a next step. I don't know what your next step is, what the roof is that's in front of you or that's in front of your friend, what the barrier is that's keeping them from hearing the gospel, or maybe that's keeping you, that has kept you. But today, today you have been confronted with the saving, life-changing power of Jesus. And you got a step. What's that step for you? Let me pray for you, walk you through a very brief response to that. Will you bow in prayer? Uh, This is just a chance for you to respond to the gospel message. It's very simple. If you have never, maybe never heard this message or you've been pushing against and you're like, you know what? I'll go to church again, but I don't know, man. I don't know if I can really surrender my life to Jesus. I don't know that I can let him be in charge of it. But you've been trying your own way and you're just tired. Listen to me, he can heal you. He can forgive your sins. That is what he does. He has the power to do it. He has the power to recreate you. And all you have to say, there in your heart, you pray to him, he will listen, he promises. You say, God, I know I'm a sinner, own it. I believe that Christ died for my sin, paid the penalty for my sin. I believe he rose again, which means he defeated it. I believe that means I have new life in him. So I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. Christian, what's the, what's the barrier? Maybe, let me just say this. I don't know, maybe that's, been keeping you from Jesus for a while. (laughs) And what I need you to hear right now is that Christ has torn that thing down. He tore that down. Just like the veil was torn from top to bottom. He tore that down. You have access to him. Don't you fall into that lie that you need to go get cleaned up, Christian. You come to him now. There is no roof between you and Christ. So you Lean back into him and say, Father, I love you and it's been too long since I've drawn near to you, but I'm here. Thank you for saving me. Maybe it's sin you need to repent of. You do that. Maybe, Christian, there's a step that you need to take to help a friend get to Jesus. You need to just say to him right now, I believe you have the power to change people. I believe it. Help my unbelief, I believe it. God, we believe you have the power to change people. So would that stir action? And would our church be a people that tears the roof off to get others to Jesus? Thank you in your kindness for letting us be a part of your great plan of redemption. So we celebrate you, Christ. We praise the mighty name of the risen Christ.